This is the On the Banks podcast, presented by SB Nation. Welcome to the On the Banks podcast. I am your host and new managing editor of the site, Greg Petuto. This is actually my first episode recording this podcast in my new role, and I'm very excited to rejuvenate this podcast and be able to talk Rutgers sports you know, on a weekly basis to discuss what's going on in that particular season. The On the Banks podcast is going to have new episodes out every week, most likely on Tuesdays and during football season and probably men's basketball as well, but definitely football season. There will be a second episode per week coming out on either Thursday or Friday just to preview the upcoming game um, that we have to look forward to from that weekend so a lot of good stuff coming there will be different guests on at certain points um getting other people's perspectives on Rutgers, on the teams that they're playing and really just college football and college athletics as a whole so this first show just to get our feet wet you know all of us me as as the host and you guys as the listeners just discuss you know the drew singleton situation that recently uh broke the news there and the new Big Ten media rights deal, the negotiations are ongoing, you know, along with some some points from Rutgers football camp as they enter their second week as practices continue leading up to the opener against Boston College. But before we dive into that, as you all know, longtime managing editor Aaron Brightman has moved on from On the Banks into his own ventures of covering Rutgers athletics, and I am extremely honored and proud to be named his successor and to continue the great work that he started with on the banks because he was the one that took this site to great heights over the last seven years. Um, I began under Aaron in 2020, you know, right in the middle of COVID. My first story was actually about how the Big Ten was planning to postpone the 2020 college football season. So I was thrown in right away, got a chance to cover you know, the comeback, the process to get the players back on the field in some capacity in 2020 and, you know, through basketball season and all this virtual stuff, whether it's press conferences, interviews that we had to endure during the 2020 season, you know, on the banks was able to remain successful, you know, because of the readers and because of the great work that Aaron did. So I know he's going to be successful in, you know, his new venture and I'm going to continue to be a fan of his as well. So to jump right into it, like I said, today we'll just be getting our feet wet, uh, talking some Rutgers football and some Big Ten as a whole as their media rights deals continue. But first I want to touch on the Drew Singleton situation. Um, Singleton applied for reinstatement to return to the Rutgers football team for the 2022 season. It was originally declined by the NCAA, and then he went on into the appeals process. Greg Schiano announced on Monday that the NCAA rejected the appeal once again, and he is still not eligible for the upcoming season. Drew Singleton declared for the draft following Rutgers' loss to Maryland last season, which was supposed to be the season finale. As you all know, Texas A&M dropped out of the Gator Bowl. Rutgers stepped in on eight days' notice, and despite his urge to go to the NFL to play at the next level, Singleton decided to play in this bowl game, rejoin his teammates, and, you know, play one more game with Rutgers, assuming he was going to move on to the next level. You know, this is this is a great thing for a, for a player to do, to join, 
you know, his team, despite their record, but Rutgers was a five-win team going up against ranked Wake Forest at the time, and he just wanted to be on the field for that game, you know, with a week's notice. Um, he gets injured during the game. This obviously hindered his progress uh, preparing for the draft, and Singleton ended up going undrafted. Now, this is... Uh, this is a situation that's gained national attention because of the options that the NCAA has here. Now, it does not look good for Singleton. Shiano did say that Rutgers is going to try one more thing. They have one more avenue they want to take before completely shutting the doors on this process. But again, it's not looking good for Rutgers or for Singleton. When looking at the decision by the NCAA, I don't think this comes down to you know, declaring for the draft when he declared, um, you know, a player going undrafted, trying to return to school, none of that. The simple fact that the NCAA has to look at is that Rutgers had eight days to prepare for this game and Singleton decided to come back and play. That's not something that happens. Teams don't have eight days to prepare for a bowl game. They know way ahead of time when they're going to play the date, if they're in a bowl game. Rutgers found out very short notice and decided to play the game which was a great opportunity for you know the team Greg Schiano the players everybody involved the school as a whole so it was a very admirable thing that Singleton did and is now being punished a bit in its own way by the NCAA for not allowing him to come back now football is obviously different than basketball we all know the process in basketball. You're able to test the waters a bit out of college. If you decide to hire an agent, you have to remain in the draft. If you don't, you could return to school, all that good stuff. Football does not have that option, but also football knows when they're going to play again. At 5-7, and seven, Rutgers thinks their season's over. A player declares for the draft, and then all of a sudden another game is thrown into their lap, a bowl game nonetheless, is thrown into their lap, and the player decides to return. That's a very unique situation, one that we haven't seen before, to be quite honest. So that's why I think this deserves a little a little different parameters when the NCAA is making this decision. There will be people out there that say this opens the door, this sets a precedent for players to declare for the draft and return to school after whether they go undrafted or whether they go late, anything like that, if they don't want to sign the contract. All sports have different rules, basketball, baseball. They all have different rules. The point here is this is not Singleton attempting to come back after going undrafted and not landing a free agent deal with an NFL team. This is a player who got injured during the bowl game, did not have a lot of time to prepare for it, wanted to play with his team. So it seems like a common sense thing. The NCAA had a chance to do the right thing, and it is not looking like they're going to. And this just seems to be a trend with the NCAA. I don't think anybody has any faith that they're going to do the right thing when the time comes you know singleton was given expenses from his agent um trainee expenses which really shouldn't be a big deal because players can earn nil money on their name image and likeness regardless singleton paid all of that back when he was going through this process to decide to return to school so the the overall unique uniqueness of this situation should have the NCAA thinking it over. But as we've seen, as Shiano announced on Monday, they rejected the appeal once again, and it's not looking like that's going to change. And not only is that a shame for Rutgers on the field, he had a chance to come back and bolster a position you know, that, that suffered some losses. Olakunle Fatukasi's gone. Um, Tyreen Powell's really going to have to step up into a leadership role in the middle of the defense. 
and Singleton would have really bolstered that unit. So obviously it hurts them on the field, but this is an issue mainly off the field. You know, Singleton wanted to come back and earn his Masters, which he is still able to do, obviously, but being able to play one more season after giving the NCAA what they want. You know, college football has always said they want the best players playing in these bowl games because a lot of players decide to sit them out for this exact reason. They could get injured and that could impact their future at the next level. So Singleton decided to put that away, rejoin Rutgers, rejoin his team for their final game. And the NCAA is now punishing him trying to return for the 2022 season. So this, again, this was a chance for college football, the NCAA as a whole, to do the right thing. And it seems like they kind of dropped the ball on this whole situation. You know, we'll see what Shiano and Rutgers has up its sleeve for this final attempt to bring Singleton back for the season. But again, it's not looking promising. And not only does this hurt Rutgers on the field, but it's another just check mark against the NCAA as a whole when looking at the organization. So that's the whole issue regarding, you know, the entire NCAA on a, on a smaller scale heading into the Big Ten Conference. The media rights deal and negotiations are currently underway for networks that want to play the Big Ten football games. Uh, the money is going to be astronomical as we've seen these numbers, and they just keep growing. You know, the Big Ten's expected to land, you know, a deal worth upwards of $1.5 million. I mean, the the money is definitely going to triple from $440 million under the current deal. It has a chance to even go higher than that, potentially quadruple at the end of the day. And really, it's because of the addition of UCLA and USC. You know, those schools are expected to make the switch following the 2023 season. And that means the conference now has representatives from the three largest markets in television when you look at New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. So the money that these schools are going to make, the money that will continue to be made by you know the Big Ten is insane. And these networks have plans. You know, it's not like they're coming in blind. Um, it was recently reported that by front office sports, NBC wants to make it. You know, the NFL of college football conferences is how they're they're planning it. And that means keeping Notre Dame on in their 230 slot on Saturdays and then having a primetime Big Ten matchup at night. And then obviously NBC has Sunday night football the following day. So NBC has a chance to really monopolize the the uh, the football world if they're able to get a deal like this done and. You know, I got I got an article on the banks about this one. Could you imagine sitting down to watch a Notre Dame game and then that game ends five thirty, six o'clock, and you know a Big Ten matchup is coming on. You could watch Ohio State and Michigan State or Michigan Penn State. You could watch a game of that caliber really to just take you through your night leading into NFL Sunday and of course into Sunday night football. And all of this does good for the schools because of the money that is going to be made and the money that they are gonna get from these deals. You know, recruiting now is nationwide with the addition of USC and UCLA. And the Big Ten's not going to stop there. When Kevin Warren spoke at Big Ten Media Days, he did mention that he's not going to expand just to expand. You know, they're not going to add teams that don't make sense, but that they are willing to expand. So right now, with the two additions, there's going to be 16 teams. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it get up around 20 when it's all said and done as college football kind of works toward that, you know, power four conferences, the big four conferences, and then obviously Notre Dame, who doesn't need to join a conference yet. And that's another interesting thing. If college football kind of 
push Notre Dame to join a conference. You know, that's the tradition of them being independent. And really, it's going to be one of the only traditions left when you look at um, one of the conferences potentially going away, like the Pac-12. A lot of rivalry matchups won't be played year to year that we've grown accustomed to. But Notre Dame still not being in a conference will be a constant until college football says you need a conference championship to make the playoff. Right now, we know if Rucker, uh, Rutgers, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, Notre Dame is going to be in the playoff. If they say you need a conference championship, an undefeated Notre Dame won't cut it because they're not in the conference. So it will be interesting to see there. But as we know, Rutgers got in at the right time. You know, joining the Big Ten in 2014 before all this happened, they have time to get acclimated. Now they're solid, they're in there, and they're not going anywhere because they're the representative, you know, New York, New Jersey, in that market. Rutgers is set. If they try to make this move now, it would be more difficult when looking at the other programs, the other teams that could, you know, that could outbid them, could could go in ahead. But right now they're in a great position to continue to make money, to continue to, you know, be part of the best football conference along with the SEC and continue to grow from there. They got the right coach in there with Shiano who knows how to handle all this and, you know, believes in what's going on at Rutgers. And it's going to overall it's going to be interesting to see what this deal ends up being and who lands it. Um, you know, the rights to the Big 10 for years to come and how long they landed for because the Big 10 has some of the best matchups. They're very unique. Um, they're changing, but they're still traditional when you look at games won and lost in the trenches. You got to be able to run the ball, you got to be able to block up front and that's what people love to see so it's going to be interesting to see what the money is and at the end of the day who ends up getting this deal done with the conference transitioning a bit here into Rutgers football camp which began last Wednesday you know going on a week now that these teams have been practicing players back on the field coaches getting them together really showing fans what they have to look forward to this season there's been two main points of emphasis throughout the offseason main topic uh topics of conversation that of course is the quarterback and the offensive line I think it's fair to say that those are the two most important positions especially offensively and might be the two most important positions on the field when looking at a football team nothing's been set in stone yet Greg Schiano has left the quarterback situation wide open as the competition continues and even has three players in the mix. Obviously, Noah Vedral, who has started each of the last two seasons for Rutgers. Then you have Gavin Wimsad, who's you know the exciting freshman, the newcomer, the highest-rated quarterback prospect in program history. And, of course, Evan Simon, whose time has been limited but is, being, is a veteran in the system, is given a chance to show what he can do. Right now, they're still... You know, a couple weeks until Rutgers takes the field against Boston College, and Greg Schiano has left it open to playing multiple quarterbacks over the course of the season. And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I think that's what you're going to see. It's unlikely that Rutgers finds its, you know, every game starter, every game player, someone who's going to play a majority of the snaps under center. And that's for many different reasons. I think ultimately Noah Vedral will be handed the keys early on. We'll start the game against Boston College, mainly because of his experience, right? He's entering his third season with Rutgers. He started the previous two. He knows the system well. 
Rutgers has kept Sean Gleason there, Greg Schiano, obviously. So he's played in the same system and has a chance to do it once again. If he's able to fix his inconsistencies, obviously this will help the offense. And that's got a lot to do with the offensive line, not having enough time, you know, not being able to get through his progressions, all of that. But we've seen flashes from Noah Vedral, you know, reference the game against Temple last season or reference the 2020 shootout against Michigan games like that where you see his potential but then of course we remember the 2020 loss to Illinois at home or different games where he's thrown costly interceptions not made the right decision that has cost Rutgers and that's what he'll have to clean up of course Wimsat is going to get some time he was inserted into a couple games last year really playing most obviously during that Gator Bowl so Wimsat will be seen but it's important to remember that he's just a freshman he entered Rutgers last year having played in a high school football game just a couple weeks prior he was the age of a senior so now entering as a true freshman it was beneficial to him to get acclimated a bit to the speed of the game last year to work be able to work with the Rutgers coaches the strength and conditioning coaches get himself in the gym and ready for the physicalness of the Big Ten and that's been you know evident from the start he looks physically ready physically able he's put on some muscle and that's going to continue as he matures as well again being only a true freshman but there's no need to rush him you know, there's an offensive line that's going to see some turnover, a unit that hasn't played together a lot when we don't know how they're going to gel, going in to get some difficult opponents, a whole new running game. There's a lot of things up against Rutgers this year that Wimsat is not going to be the savior right away. It's, he's not going to be the, the quarterback that comes in and is able to just turn this program around and bring them back to where they want to be. Now, that's what they're hoping he turns into over the course of his career, again, given the fact that he is only a freshman. But when you look at a starter for the season on the road against a tough Boston College team that has their starting quarterback back, that has a chance to be a perennial top 25 team, it makes sense to have the experience under center at least to start the game, play a majority of the first game. Of course, that's not to say that we won't see Wimsett at some point because it's likely that we will. I wouldn't be surprised if he found a way to get into every game. Greg Schiano again, has made it clear and said during Big Ten media days that he's not afraid to play multiple quarterbacks, and that could be one, two, three. That could be whoever really comes out. Over the course of camp, he's going to be focused on somebody taking the job who makes the right decisions, who makes the quickest decisions, Who's who looks the most ready to play. But again, it's unlikely that Vedral or Wimsat really take that job from one another. So this is a situation where Rutgers could be looking at a multi-quarterback system, which we saw a lot last season. And over the course of 12 games, it'll be interesting to see if that works, how it works, and really what Sean Gleason has up his sleeve because, of course, we've seen Johnny Langan inserted as quarterback, as a ball carrier. Now he's working at a tight end, you know, learning to catch the ball. So he's a player that they've transitioned and used in creative ways. So the offense has the ability to do that, but ultimately how are they going to work this two-quarterback system, especially if that's the plan and they know that basically starting now, starting in the next couple weeks, they know that's the plan to play multiple guys. We're going to stick very offense-heavy today and discuss the offensive line along with the running game next. 
And that seems to go hand in hand with the quarterback, right? All three aspects work together to have a successful offense. And the quarterback is the most important position. But then you move to the offensive line, the group that is going to be protecting, whether it's Vedral or Wimsat or Evan Simon, it's going to be protecting the quarterback over the course of the season. This was a unit that did not gel for Rutgers last year. Greg Schiano came out and, and acknowledged the need along the offensive line and brought in four transfers. And with the recent news about Reggie Sutton, these transfers are going to have to really be ready to make an impact right away. Of course, Sutton suffered a season-ending knee injury last year. That looks like it's going to keep him out over the course of 2022 as well. Greg Schiano did say during media days that it is a long shot that he gets back on the field. So they're going to prepare Reggie Sutton for the 2023 season, which of course is a big loss. Not only is he one of their best linemen, he was expected to come back and take over that left tackle position, you know, be the anchor in that spot. So now when you look at the transfer portal and the work that the coaching staff was able to do, you look at a guy like Willie Tyler, who could step in for Sutton in that left tackle position. He has some experience in that spot and definitely has the size at 6'6 and 320 pounds to kind of be the leader along the offensive line and head a group that really needs that presence. Also, a player like J.D. Dorenzo um, intrigues me as well. Another player with a lot of experience, you know, a four-star prospect coming out, a guy who's played a lot of football and done it at a high level coming over to Rutgers. So with the addition of those two, the offensive line has a chance to improve. But again, it's a lot of players that haven't played together. It's going to take some time for them to gel and get that chemistry up front in an important position. Now, if the offensive line gels, that obviously takes the quarterback play up a notch and the running game, which is also going to have to find a new core with Isaiah Pacheco with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, who, by the way, is off to a really good start, getting a lot of press for the work he's been able to do out of the backfield. Rutgers fans know about Pacheco's speed and his overall you know, work ethic and passion for the game. He's showing that to the Chiefs now, getting some reps with the first team and being given a chance to you know, start as the kick returner in the preseason. So we could see a lot of Isaiah Pacheco working with Pat Mahomes and you know Travis Kelsey within that offense this year, which is exciting for Rutgers fans and Chiefs fans once they realize what they have. But transitioning back to Rutgers, Kyle Manungai and Aaron Young seem to be the two that could take over as a duel in the backfield. Aaron Young is still recovering from an injury last year, so he's going to come along a little slower than Manungai, but they both had basically equal work last year. They were separated by six carries. Manungai had two more catches. So it's going to be interesting to see how the offense uses that multi-head backfield to take over for Pacheco, who was the bell cow over the last three years for Rutgers. Manungai, he had more burst. He had more of the, the big moments. He scored three touchdowns over the first two weeks. And then, of course, 77 yards and a score again in that Illinois game. You know, I believe he was given 15 carries, so they leaned on him in that game. Aaron Young was more of the consistent contributor over the course of all 13 games to compile his numbers, while Manungai did a lot in, in short bursts. 
But with the injury too young as he recovers and tries to get back, it looks like Manungai is going to be the guy most likely to start the season and get a majority of the carries. But it is clear that this team does not have a workhorse right now. It does not have a bell cow that you could just hand the ball to 20 times a game. This is very much going to be running back by committee. And that's not a bad thing. That's a way to get different skills in the game, a way to keep guys fresh, a way to keep everybody on their toes so they know their job, they know their role, and they're ready when they get in there. So it's it's an exciting thing for the offense, but it's also a difficult one when you look at replacing a player like Pacheco and obviously Bo Melton on the outside. The, the team has done a great job, again, bringing in receivers. Taj Harris and Sean Ryan, guys like that in the transfer portal are going to be effective while – Aaron Crookshank should be back, and, and Josh Youngblood will be used more as well. So the, the receivers are in a good spot, but the running game is really one that's going to be watched closely over the course of training camp as they look to replace Pacheco. That's all we got for today. Again, just a quick show to introduce the new setup, the new format, and get you know get some conversations going as Rutgers enters training camp. We'll be back next week with some more training camp talk, maybe an update on the Drew Singleton situation, you know, followed by a schedule prediction. We'll go game by game and break that down the following week, and that'll take us right into game week when you look at Boston College as the first team. We'll have an in-depth preview of the Boston College game, which has a chance to be an upset special for Rutgers. I know a lot of fans are looking forward to that game and, and marking it down as one that Rutgers has a chance to win despite the you know, the potential of Boston College and the game being on the road. So a lot of excitement there. So until next week, I am your host, Greg Petuto. Everybody enjoyed their week. And we will be back next week with another edition of On the Banks podcast, going over some more topics of conversation from Rutgers football camp. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to the On the Banks podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, just search On The Banks.